Service before leadership. What? Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Dupree, scouring the globe to bring you stories of courage, passion, and resilience. If I could sum up this podcast into one word, I would use empathy. Now let's get inspired. Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I am your host, Brett Dupree. This is how I should have started last week when I had a musician on. But I don't this week. I decided to do something different. Maybe I shouldn't, but welcome to my podcast. This week I have an interview with S.J. Barracone, who is another service leadership person, because there's almost nothing better than service through leadership. But right now, for episode 65 of my podcast, I am going to get vulnerable, because if I can't expect my guests to get vulnerable, if I don't get vulnerable and talk about my life, bam, 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 my life. It is 4.16 right now, my day behind what I generally put out. I got my stimulus check, so I put all that on me credit card, so my goal of being out of debt by next month is still on track as I'm ordering so much food. Last week I told you in, I don't remember, I was doing a cleanse and I pretty much gained all that cleanse weight back because it's still stressful. But I hired a friend of mine to do some hypnosis therapy on me. So we're going on an eight week program of working on it. So we're going to do that. I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. And just try to get that mindset right. Because the mindset is where it works out. It's an ins- interesting time to be alive. It's funny, I used to really love conspiracy theories and things like that. But now I see how damaging they are, especially in today's age of disinformation. The internet, it's a double-edged sword. There's so much good information out there, but there's also so much bad information and fighting it. And there's a certain restlessness that comes from being stuck inside all the time. But it's the right thing to do. We're saving lives. It's just the nature of this disease. This SARS-CoV-2. I should really learn the name before I mention it. But it causes COVID-19. I remember that part. And so just all of it. And being stuck inside. Missing hugs. Missing my girlfriend. Just missing everything. And every day feeling the same. That's, I think, one of the hardest parts. I remember when I was talking to a guru, and I believe it's Byron Katie. Yeah, it's Byron Katie. And she says there's three things you do in life. You lay down, you sit up, or you stand. And that's it. That's all you do. And nothing makes that more apparent than being stuck in your apartment. Because either I'm laying on my bed, or I'm sitting on my couch, or I'm sitting in this chair. And I do some standing sometimes. I might go for a walk somewhere. I might take a drive once a week at most now. But the reality is, that's all I do. And it's annoying, you know? I mean, yes, I do Toastmasters still. We do that online. But to be honest, I, part of me doesn't want to go to any of that. Don't tell my Toastmaster friends. It's hard. I don't want to pay, I don't want to participate. I, I didn't read the article, but there's something to, just saw the headline that there's almost, it's almost harder on us to do online where we can see each other's face but not touch each other. And that it's a different kind of anxiety. And I think I have something like that. It's my current job where I work at Providence. We do a lot of teleconferencing. And my first six, it took a while for me to get remotely used to it. But I felt so lonely because all of our meetings were over the phone. I don't know, or the computer. I didn't know why I even had to go into work. I have this setup at home. I could I could work this way all the time. In fact, my current position, I do have to use an iPad that's only usable within Providence Network. But other than that, I can do everything from my home computer. And honestly, this everything's the same. Everything is the same. It's not that. 
There's almost no difference other than when I go to the bathroom or go get coffee, I say hi to somebody. And I miss that. And there was just this lonely feeling. And I've really explored loneliness in the last year and a half as I'm just noticing how lonely I was. And I don't know if it started when I lost my job in 2015 or if I sugarcoated it. That was always my question for the last probably two years now, two and a half years where I noticed my loneliness. I'm actually not two and a half, more like year... More like you, mostly as I started this job, I noticed my loneliness and how I was lonely and I cut myself off more than I should during that time and really just didn't want to deal with things. And especially when I got fat, I didn't really want to deal with my friends thinking that they were making fun of me for being fat because I know they did in the past. I don't know if they still do, but still, I just don't want to deal with it. And especially when you're this big and going somewhere, it feels difficult, everything's uncomfortable, and you're just like, oh, and that just caused me to cut off, and and then I feel bad, then I eat more, then this thing's a problem, and sometimes anxiety, when I do do well, causes me to stop, and so I've been thinking about loneliness, and that feeling, and like this time right now is very lonely. And so was I covering it up utilizing spirituality, but I was doing things. Every weekend I felt like I was doing things. My friends actually thought of me as somebody who was always doing something, always busy. My family always always thought that as well. I was someone who was always doing something, always busy. But the thing is, I was. For a good solid five years of my life, I was always doing something. I was doing something fun. I was always going to, and on days where I didn't do anything, I would go to an improv show, which was super fun watching live people. Long form improv is really cool. I don't care about all those comedians who make jokes about improv. Yes, the short form is not as funny, but the long form I think is pretty impressive watching people, especially when it works, when it really works, when you're able to make an entire play and the play makes sense and has crescendos up and down and funny lines. It works and it's super fun. I would do that. I do dancing classes. I was doing so many things every weekend it was like i had something fun planned and a lot of that ended when i got laid off and i didn't really notice that but partly because of the anxiety i built off on money and half half of it a lot of it was my fault if i budgeted during that time i would have done better but just i had that block of budgeting which i need to start working through which i was doing so well before the covid19 my goal in may is to start that up again and because this is to, this is the day I want to start tomorrow and really look towards moving forward. But this was going to be about loneliness. I but I didn't really. It just became an all-encompassing thing. And the question is: is I can't answer it. I can't answer that question. To be honest, I was I always lonely, or did I become lonely? Was I covering up my loneliness through activities and? Law of attraction and spirituality? Or was I not lonely there and did I become lonely when I felt like I started to lose my self-esteem and I just felt like I can't do this anymore? And then I lost kind of like having nothing. I do work. Being suckered by Yelp didn't help during that time. Having my grandpa just not deal with lending me money. If he would have just gave me money, that would have helped me so much. Not being honest with myself. 
Because that's what life is. That's one reason why in my Church of Awesome, one of them is embrace reality. And that, I think, is the hardest thing. Because we want to look at the world as we want to look at it. When it comes to conspiracy theories, we want people to blame. When it comes to our lives, we want to look at it a certain way. We want to think of ourselves as spiritual beings having a human experience. So that we are thinking about that right now to the point where we can spirit away all the fears and problems that we have in this world. And just look at the positives while not dealing with the fact that those things are affecting us, thus covering up and muddying that perfect diamond that we are because we're not trying to clean off that facet of ourselves that blocks our ability to heal, our ability to feel. And so I don't know where I'm going with this. I wish I did. This is more just a rambling of my mind of some things that generally kind of goes on and off. And yeah, so there's been a lot of self-reflecting on anxiety, but there's also a lot of self-medication on anxiety of takeout food. But luckily the stimulus package does help me because it helped pay off a lot of the debt I put on for the takeout food. But probably not all of it. That's life. But I think part of the thing to learn from this is to serve and serving others. And so that's why we're talking to S.J. Barracone. S.J. Barracone is an advisor, futurist, serial entrepreneur, thought leader, and board member with more than eight years of success serving other entrepreneurs, self-employed individuals, and varied institutions. His broad area of expertise includes entrepreneurship, replicative leadership, business development, and strategy. S.J. has a passion for youth, teen entrepreneurs, startup, and family business. So here is my interview with S.J. Barracone. Hello, S.J., and welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this invitation and the opportunity to share with your community, with your tribe, hopefully serve them to the very best of my ability, perhaps even along the way, solve some challenges or issues that someone might be having. That sounds great. I see that your website is service before self-leadership. Can you give us a brief explanation of that? Absolutely. When I was getting started in business, I heard someone talk about a concept called service before yourself. In other words, giving to others, serving them before you expect a return or a reward. That really stuck with me. And then when I was looking to get off the ground in business, this would have been in 2011, as memory serves, I decided to adopt that. So I went and I did my due diligence to the best of my ability, and I found that service before self or yourself for short, then add the word leadership, that ended up being the name of my first business venture, which eight years plus later is still rolling along. Cool. So how did you get started in business? Well, I'll have to turn back the clock a little bit, and I won't illustrate every single point, but I'll hit a couple highlights. My father, his name is Frank, he was in business for 20 years, roughly, several of those years before I was even born. That left, looking back through the prism of time, a major impact on me because I actually, as I aged, as I got to be approaching my teenage years, and then in my very early teenage years, I actually was helping him with his business during the summertime. I had some entrepreneurial, some business, small business DNA in me, and that informed my later decision. Because what I realized is that after being in a corporate setting at various different larger entities over a period of about a decade and a half, I found out that that really wasn't who I was, nor did it answer deeply in me 
my why. So I knew what I was doing and I knew how I was doing it day to day, but I didn't have, in my view, the two more fundamental questions answered, which is who is SJ, which is my name and not my initials, and why am I even doing what I'm doing? So that informed my decision to get started because I had a friend of mine by the name of Justin, and Justin knew that I was very unsatisfied with my professional life. And he ended up arranging a very laid back conversation. It happened to be at a Starbucks with a gentleman who later became my very first mentor. That conversation opened doors into entrepreneurship and small business that to this day continue to bear fruit. It literally was one of those decision turning inflection points that sometimes you don't realize until you look back on it. So that's how I got started. One thing that stuck out to me is the way you were talking about not knowing your why. I am actually reading a book that's talking about people who are jobs and how not feeling in control or feeling fulfillment in their day-to-day activity. There is seems to be a direct correlation with personal health and your ability to find fulfillment in your current position. So did you find yourself any negative side effects drinking or anything like that to kind of cope with your lack of why? That is a wonderful question. That is a fantastic book. And I suspect it would help a lot of people to read books just like that. I ended up, I wouldn't say drinking. Now, like a lot of people who may have conventional W-2 jobs, you know, you have the happy hour stuff, right? You know, you'll go out at 4.35, and you'll go get a drink or two. So, yes, I did that, but nothing to the point of being anywhere close, thankfully, to an alcoholic. So I would say the impact that was on my mental health was through drowning myself in the mass media. So what does that mean? That means that when I would get home from my corporate life before I got started in business as I answered that question, I would go home and I would turn on the television and it would play the rest of the night, usually four, five, six hours. I literally was not being what I would call productive. It was sort of like putting on a mask, putting on an aura, you know, putting on a seal code on my life rather than deal with the issues that were going on professionally, which was complete dissatisfaction, which was no fulfillment. And also my mental and emotional health were being affected because a lot of the entities that I'm sure some of your community work with tend to be created during the industrial age. And the industrial age was never about people and who they were as individuals. It was about treating them as resources to use to get your company, your organization, your corporation to where it needed to be. So unfortunately, that kind of thinking is still so very pervasive in our modern world, even in 2020. So in my case, again, fortunately, nothing to do with opioids or any other kind of drugs or alcohol, but the mass media was my opiate. When it came to starting your business, what were some of your biggest hurdles? Excellent question. First hurdle was my father had sold his business when I was still in high school. I was a freshman. It was like about 14 and a half or so. The first hurdle clearly was I didn't have any recent experience. 
when I was helping him when I was a much younger guy, 20 plus years winding the clock backwards, I didn't have anyone to rely on directly because my father was out of the game. And a couple of his friends that I had gotten to know along the journey, they were not really accessible to me. So that was clearly the first hurdle was the lack of mentoring, the lack of support, the lack of having what we now call a community. Another hurdle was being able to understand that when you are now in business, and I started as a side hustle, I started as a side gig. I know a lot of people do that, and I think that's a smart play to do the transition rather than just dropping everything and starting over, unless you do have that ability, which I applaud if you do. So the second hurdle was a mindset shift. You have to shift your mindset to understand now that you are a producer of solutions. You're a producer of a product, a service, or you're transferring, like Napoleon Hill talks about, specialized knowledge to other people. So you're shifting from a more of a consumer taker mindset, where you tend to be paid by seat time, you know, you're sitting in a seat somewhere and they're paying you to be there versus now your pay is based upon how well you perform in the marketplace. So there was a mental piece to it. Another piece is the financial piece. That was a hurdle because I had to get used to the fact that I was not going to get a notification from my bank every two weeks saying, here's how much money has been deposited. It was now about I had to go off and get that money. So I had to learn terms that I had vaguely understood or had forgotten about from college classes like accounts receivable, accounts payable, cash flow, things that you really don't usually think about when you are in a W-2 situation. So I would say those are the big three, social, mental, and financial. Oh, yeah, I can see how that those are pretty big hurdles. Do you have any mental hurdles in starting or were you just all set up from your dad? I would say the mental hurdles were understanding the mindset of being a servant to others. So that does connect back to the business name. That's a mental hurdle because a lot of people don't really get shown that during their journey professionally, let alone sometimes even personally. That was a mental hurdle was being able to understand that when you're in business, frankly, we all are selling something. But I believe the better definition is how are you serving them, which is a version of selling, but it plays into people because people want to buy, they don't want to be sold to the vast majority. So that was a mental hurdle there was to understand that service is the core, is the crux, is the hinge that free enterprise and business uses day to day. Another mental hurdle was being able to what I refer to now looking back about 10 or so years is I literally had to go to a detox. Because remember what I said a little while ago, folks, is I was drowning in the mass media. That was my opiate. And I had to now shift into being a student again. Lifelong learning was my way of being now. So rather than going home and drowning myself in sports or the news or the latest political gossip, it was now all about learning how I can be a better person, how I can be a better businessman, a better entrepreneur. 
So that was a big hurdle was going through that, what I refer to as a detox. And I would point back and say, it probably took me about a good 18 months before I was really to the point where I felt like I was firing on all uh, cylinders like that. You've heard that stated before. That was really important. So those were probably the two very biggest hurdles that I faced mentally. And fortunately, I was able to push through those. But I'm always an unfinished product because there's always something new to learn. And that's why I now consider lifelong learning to be a non-negotiable in the modern economy. How are you able to push through those 18 months before things really start to click? Well, first, I had found a community now. So I mentioned earlier that first mentor that I met through my friend, Justin, his name is Terry. And Terry was one who was now in my corner. So I had one person for sure holding me accountable. Also, Justin, who was the connector, he was helping me out along the way because he actually cared about me as a person and as a friend. He wanted to see me be successful. So that allowed me to push through was I had for sure minimum of two gentlemen in my corner. I also ended up running into some other folks along the journey because what I was now starting to do is I was not only working on my own to read books, to listen to audio books, to attend lunch and learns, webinars, live streams, all kinds of different ways I was consuming content. But I also would go periodically to some in-person events that I learned about as I was meeting new people and literally building new circles of connectivity. That was helping me to push through as well because I wasn't by myself. I wasn't SJ sitting at home on my couch, letting the mass media permeate all of my neurons. The neurons were now firing. They were now focusing on things that were much more important, which is like, how can I be better than I was the day before? So that really was the essence, the heart was to have a community and was also to continue to do what I now believe is the case, is that lifelong learning compounds upon itself. Just like you hear that interest compounds upon itself, which is absolutely true in the financial world, so does learning and so does self-directed education, okay? It's not just okay, I read this book and now what's next? I mean, I can continue to build upon it. And I ended up going through a lot of material in those first couple of years, including the 18 months of the detox, let alone as I moved past that. What made you decide to create a company called Service Before Leadership and actually turn that into a money as a way to, it's a lot of work to start a business. So what made you come up with, this is what, this is the business I want to start and this is how I want to help people? Well, it was a spur. It was a byproduct. Okay. That's the word I'll settle on. A spur does work in my own view of vocabulary. But now that I think about it, the way I'll present this to your community, to your tribe, to any other listeners, is it's a byproduct of who I was. So why did I start a business? I started a business because in some way I was honoring my father because again, he raised me for the first 14 years of my life, of which about six or seven, eight of those years, I have very little memory of. He raised me on being a small business person himself. He was a sole proprietor, self-employed. In one way, I was honoring him, so that was part of my decision-making. But it was also something that I felt called to do because as I was consuming all this content, I was becoming literally a different person. I like to use the visual, and if your audience would like to close their eyes for me, 
imagine, if you will, that you have the caterpillar that is entering into the cocoon. And on the other side of that, during the cocooning, the caterpillar is slowly, meta, you know, turning into, metamorphosizing, if I'm saying the word right, into a butterfly. That was SJ. I was going through this process. And as I was going through the process, I was led to say, you know what? I can monetize this into a business. It is starting out as a side hustle and gig. So it does not have to support all of my expenses right now, but it is what I want to do. Because I had found out, I had come to the realization that I was not going to get ahead in corporate life anymore. My income had stagnated and literally was, if you net out the real amount of inflation in the economy, not the amount that you're told in the mass media, but the real impact of it, and you put that side by side with the amount of money I was making through my primary income at the time, I literally was falling behind. That was another driver was financially. I'm thinking, how am I going to get what I want out of life if I don't do something different, okay? Because at this point, it's like, I'm not getting ahead. I'm not also not getting ahead on that proverbial corporate ladder, okay? I'm thinking, oh yeah, by this point, I should be in X position, and I wasn't. Even though I was getting these fantastic performance reviews, I was getting nowhere um, on a professional ladder, let alone in my bank account. So there was a financial driver. There was a relational familial driver through my father, and then there was also the fact that as I was learning more and more and becoming that student and diving in deeper and deeper, I was realizing that you take off the lid, you take off the cap off your life when you start to do something for yourself that is making an impact in society. Free enterprise and the marketplace are all about offering something that helps other people, other organizations deal with something that's not right for them. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a financial issue for them. Maybe it's a health issue. Bottom line is, is if you're offering yourself in the marketplace for compensation in return for offering something that's helping them, there is no cap anymore. It's not like you're making X amount of dollars an hour or a certain amount of salary based on some human resource professional telling you that's what that position is worth. You now have taken off the cap. So that was another driver was I was, my mind was expanding. So that is the reasons why I ended up starting in business. And I started, again, not just by dropping everything, but by just getting off my couch and stop consuming mass media content and starting to become better. And I started to meet with some people I already knew and picked up some clientele along the way and started to change my financial picture, like I explained earlier. And all these things sort of worked all together. And then later on, I was on my own. So what exactly is Service Before Leadership? How does it serve people? What does it mean to work with you? As I have come to call it recently, just for shorthand, because if I go back and I think, should I have called a business that long of a name? I'm thinking maybe I should have somehow figured out how to shorten it. So these days I tend to refer to it as SBSL for short, regardless of if you say all four words or the shorthand version. What it looks like is this. I consider myself an edupreneur. I'm an educational entrepreneur. I'm working outside of the conventional system. The system would be defined as the tracks of education that start as early as preschool or kindergarten. And for some, it runs all the way through graduate school. So you have that primary secondary school, which a lot of people call K to 12. You have a lot of people 
who have gone through, like myself, through undergrad, college, university, and then you have a, a smaller percentage that go through graduate studies. Those are the main tracks I deal with in business. Working with me is working on things that the conventional classrooms very rarely, if ever, provide. So summing it up, I focus on people, soft, and interpersonal skills, which are pretty much all the same thing. So they're all sort of synonyms for each other. I focus on that. I also focus on teaching others what I learned, which is that lifelong learning is now a non-negotiable. So it's that it's creating that culture of a lifelong student self-directing your education without expectation of credential. It's understanding what exactly a soft skill is and how it will impact your life. And then it's taking action on those things. It was taught to me via Terry and several others that you have a concept called define, learn, and then do. The conventional schooling system, as I refer to it, teaches it in reverse. Do, learn, and define. That's another thing I focus on is that paradigm shift between those two. So when you sum it up under the four services I offer, it's teaching people how to be lifelong self-directed learners without expectation of proof of paper, proof of credential. It's teaching them and providing the people and soft skills that they highly likely did not learn. It's rolling that all up together, offering it through any of these four services, depending on what I think is the better one based on an assessment I use, based on a complimentary consult. And then I do my very best to fill in all the gaps that these classrooms are leaving in their wake. That in a nutshell is what I'm doing with SPSL. Ah, cool. Do you have any fun success stories to share? I do. The first one I'll point to is I was connected to a family with two young kids several years ago. I'll give a shout out in case he ends up listening to this. My buddy Joe was the connector, and he connected me to this family. And the family had their oldest son in the conventional public schools and their young son, they wanted to figure out how can we even avoid putting him in the conventional schools if we can help it. So they were using their older son as sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term, a model, a role model for their younger son. So I ended up helping them to create a customized educational plan over about, a, I think it was like about six different visits, because I use mostly a retainer for my services for most of what I bill out. And I ended up helping them create a customized plan. So we went through the fact, and this is a couple quick nuggets for your audience, there are 10 different educational philosophies available to parents, students, grandparents, adult learners out there in the world of today in 2020. And most people probably don't even realize there's two or three, let alone that there's 10 different parallel educational philosophies, let alone the fact that there are a lot of different gaps that you can use these philosophies to fill. I have come up with 15 of them over the years of my research and study. So bottom line is, is that was a great success story is I was able to help the husband and wife and their older son to come up with a pathway to eventually have him removed from the conventional schools because they had settled on the fact that they wanted to home educate him. And then they would use that example for their younger son when he aged into the conventional years. So that was my first story. Another story is I consulted with a lady who has a son who is dealing with a special needs challenge. The conventional system has its pluses and minuses when it deals with those who are special needs. And without getting into all the details of that due to time and due to 
other factors. Let's just say that when you have a system that was created in the 1890s during the agricultural age, and you're attempting to help people with modern day 2010 and now 2020s challenges and issues, it's really a big mismatch. So that's why you have an army of consultants, an army of trainers, an army of coaches of various kinds. In my case, I consider myself a mentor. I consider myself an advisor, a facilitator. In those services, let alone the others that I mentioned, all of us are attempting to plug these gaps. We are fillers. We are bridge builders attempting to help the citizens of the nations that we live in to get where they want to be because the conventional system is just not doing the job. Helping out her son with a special needs challenge, I was able to give her some information that she was able to use and take it to heart and then take it to action so she can get her son a better experience. So those are two uh, that I'll point to on my family side. And then I also deal with individuals. I also do with workplaces as well, with other business people. But those are the two that I'll cite right now based on your question. And it's a joy. I feel very fulfilled. It's uh, almost 180 degrees different than the life I used to live. That is great to hear. We are coming to the end of our time together. One thing I like to ask my guests is to do a one minute of motivation. You can imagine this as if you have a time machine and you're going back to your eight-year-old self and you want to convey the information needed to live an amazing, awesome life. But unfortunately, you only have a minute until you're popped back into the future. Or you can think of it as condensing your entire life's purpose into a minute. So are you ready? I am ready. As an eight-year-old, I would look back and I would say, okay, the first thing you need to know is that education is not about credentials and paper alone. It has its purpose to go into a conventional classroom, but you need to understand that the education doesn't end until you do. So that's the first thing that I believe people have to deeply understand. Another is you need to align the educational system with the economy. You need to understand that if you want to be successful in the economy, education and the economy are intertwined. And then you also have to intertwine the economic piece, the finances, the literacy. And you also, lastly, have to understand entrepreneurship at a deep level. Understand those four E's, enterprise economy, economics, education, entrepreneurship. That's another thing I would encourage. Lastly, I'd encourage the vast importance of relationships, of building things that are bigger than yourself, tribes and communities, rather than doing it all by yourself in business or in any other venture you have. Awesome. Thank you so much. I have really enjoyed our time together. I like listening to your story on how you were kind of born into being an entrepreneur, but you still decided to go to the route of being into a conventional workplace. But when you notice that it didn't work for you and you're wasting your life watching mass media, you decided to go out there and then struggle through that 18 months, especially the importance of finding a tribe and people to help you and creating an educational curriculum and a way to help people by kind of molding it to the person's need. And I especially love service before leadership because that's just such an amazing name because service is where it's at. And I love the idea of, you know, people want to be sold to, they want to buy from you and creating a situation where people want to buy from you is excellent. So thank you so much for your time on my podcast. And thank you so much for what you do to this world. I will return the favor and thank you for the opportunity to serve and solve. And I greatly appreciate appreciate the very thoughtful words. I always use 
feedback like that is virtual fuel for my entrepreneurial tank. So greatly appreciate it, and I'm very honored. May your day be special. And there you have it, folks. That is my interview with SJ. I appreciate the way he talked about how he, he soothed himself, how he denied himself his full potential by watching a lot of media and just coming home on TV and just wasting his life that way. Because not all of us are drug addicts. Not all of us are wasting our lives by doing terrible things. But some of us are not living to our potential by blankly consuming media unmindfully i think there is nothing wrong with consuming media to relax if that makes you relax but if you get into the point where you're using it to get that dopamine and escape from your life that is an issue so i appreciate that he mentioned that i also like how he talks about service and leadership i think that is just one of the best ways to serve i appreciate his story about how he became an entrepreneur and i really liked how he talked about his struggles and living up to it and a lot of it is changing mindset, changing from that nine to five mindset into an entrepreneur mindset. It doesn't come overnight for a lot of people. Not everyone is born to be an entrepreneur and then they're an entrepreneur in corporate world. They learn, you know, the corporate life and then they jump towards entrepreneurship and then they just have to shift their mindset. So SJ, sharing that I think was very important. So if you are an entrepreneur and you're still stuck in that nine to five mentality, maybe SJ is someone you can talk to. And if you're interested in talking to SJ, you can reach him at servicebeforeleadership.com. Also, I have a more complicated website and his business to business consultation and his social chat that I will put in the description. It's a little too long to and weird to read out. But there you have it, folks. That is episode 65 of the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I appreciate you for listening so far to 65 wonderful episodes. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at bre2ts, do pr2es at joyousexpansion.com. You should check out joyousexpansion.com. All episodes are at pod.joyousexpansion.com. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Joyous Expansion, and I believe actually LinkedIn as Joyous Expansion. It's kind of a hybrid between me, my daily life and my podcast slash personal development life. And also you can find me on Facebook at Increase Your Joy because I am bad at SEO. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like it, like, subscribe, 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 leave a review. That'd be very helpful. And just know that I love you for who you are. You're amazing for who you are. I'm super proud of you for who you are. Once again, I'm Brett Dupree, your Joyous Expansion Life Coach, champion of authentic joy and catalyst of transformation of the Church of Awesome. Wishing you, once again, to be joy, to be love, to be awesome. Now play my jingle. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Come and say hello to Brett Dupree. He is an inspirational life coach. Good for you and good for me. He turned my life from gray to blue. I'm sure he'll do the same for you. Get in touch and you'll see. Your life will change dramatically. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Yeah!